Welcome to the School of Travel's podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Welcome to episode 32 of the School of Travels podcast. And 32, I have to say, listeners, is going to be a very special episode. I am here with one of my longtime idols of the internet blogosphere. And when I first found her blog all the way back in 2008, I never thought in a million years that I would get the chance to, first of all, meet her in person, and second of all, interview her a few years later for the release of her book that she's been working on for so long. And she's so excited this week on February 11th, 2020, it is being released on Amazon and basically wherever books are sold. It's gonna be in bookstores, it's gonna be in airports, it's gonna be around the world. And the world needs this book. It is called The Middle Finger Project, Trash Your Imposter Syndrome and Live the Unfuck-withable Life You Deserve. I was fortunate enough to get an advanced copy of this book for Ashley's interview, and I could not put it down. I read it in the space of about three days. And there are so many things that Ashley writes about in this book, about growing up in Pennsylvania. Ashley grew up poor. We're going to talk about that in the interview. And she experienced something that most of us would never dream of in our lives. And that is by the age of 21 years old, she was alone in the world without a single family member in her life. She's an only child. Both parents were gone by the time she was out of college and she had no other family members. And listeners, I want to ask, what would you do in that situation? I can think of what I would have done and that is just probably stay in the town where I grew up and lean on the people that I still knew there. But that is not what Ashley ends up doing. She has an absolutely amazing story that, as I've already said, everybody needs to hear about relying on yourself, listening to yourself, using the skills, honing those skills that you already have, that you have worked on in life, relying on the power that you have within yourself and harnessing that to build this life that makes you truly unfuckwithable, that makes your life untouchable by other people's opinions and will make you into a creative force that doesn't have to answer to anyone to get the paychecks and to make the choices in life that you want. And I found Ashley when I had just started. Honestly, I hadn't been at my corporate job for very long. I was an accountant, studied finance a few years before, and I thought, you know, why don't I try to get a job in finance? I studied for four years. Maybe it is what I want to do. And I found out very quickly it was not. But like any rule-abiding, uh, goody-two-shoe type of girl trained to be that way growing up, I thought, I need to keep doing this. But when I found Ashley's blog, themiddlefingerproject.org, I was told something very different. She was the voice I needed to hear, to trust myself, to take risks and do the things I had always dreamed of doing. That is what this book is going to make you feel. And it is an amazing piece of work. And I can't wait for the world to catch on to this book. And now I can't wait for you to meet Ashley. I interviewed her last month and uh, I actually got to meet her Back in 2016, when she had a retreat in Costa Rica, there were 20 girls. Uh, we came together from all parts of the world and met Ashley in the town where she 
calls home, which is Capos, Costa Rica, and she was as impressive in person as she is on the page. Without further ado, here is my interview with Ashley Amberge. Ashley, welcome to the podcast. My gosh, you just said my name like butter right off your tongue. I think part of it's because I've actually met you in person. We did. We, we we hooped it up in Costa Rica. It was great. Yeah, way back in 2016. So this is the first time we've chatted since then. And I am so excited, listeners, to tell you that it's because Ashley is finally, she's published a book, The Middle Finger dun, Project. Dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the Middle Finger Project. <laughs> yes, trash your imposter syndrome and live the unfuckwithable life you deserve. I love that word. <laughs> I know, and no one can say it. Everyone's like, unwithfuckable. <laughs> Everyone, literally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what I like to do on my podcast, Ashley, is I like to take things way back to the beginning um, to see how you got to this point. Um, and I, I often like, ask about travel in relation to um, your life and how it's changed you. So first of all, I read some things in the book about your life when you were really young as a kid, but can you tell us what were you like as a child and where are you from? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Ooh, I I mean, picture it. Susquehanna (laughs) County, Pennsylvania, rural as ever, small town, trailer park. Uh, Growing up with a mom who just had a severe social anxiety. She really didn't leave the house much. And um, my dad had passed away when I was in eighth grade. So it was really just her and I. And uh, we were we were a team. We were a team. So, But we didn't have a lot back then. But I was always curious about the outside world. And I think that that really started uh, quite a chain reaction for me, trying to figure out really what it meant to live a good life and do work you were proud of, because I never really saw that modeled. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast, they, they don't really think that this kind of a life that of freedom and eventually like working for yourself is possible. I think they, they, you you talk a lot in the book about following, you know, the status quo and just doing what other people are doing to feel comfortable. Can you think back to some things when you were young, growing up with your mom in a trailer park in Pennsylvania, like, were there things, what, what made you curious about the world? What was inspiring you? Mm. It really was, it was such a process for me to get to that point, because in the beginning, I did not want to start the middle finger project. I wanted to start the middle class project. (laughs) That was my only goal back then um I I really wanted I wanted a set of stairs that was my big goal growing up as a little girl I saw other people with literally like a first floor and a second floor and to me that was like the dream um yeah and so right so I started off young with a very traditional outlook and approach to life and I mean my my mom actually passed away before I was 21. So at that point, I was kind of a free agent. And wow. right, I don't think a lot of people have, I'm, gosh, I'm about to say it's a luxury. It's not a luxury. It's horrible. But the luxury of hearing your own voice and not having anyone else's opinions affect what you do next. And uh, so I, I decided that I was going to pursue my, my middle class project and go to Philadelphia and do whatever it took to become a normal person. And I did. And I went and I I observed them. And I, you know, I discovered things like 
people really like these things called farmers markets. And, <laughs> and, and, and I'd never seen a Starbucks before. And I, I learned that coach was the name, not the name of somebody's gym teacher, but rather <laughs> <laughs> like a high-end designer purse. And I learned that people actually pay money for uh, you know, a nail color called nude and all of these things that were just, okay, this is how I need to do life. I think as most people listening can probably relate to, you start off doing things the way that you think they're supposed to be done and trying so very hard to be a respectable adult who didn't make too many bad decisions. And at the end of the day, it breaks your heart. It is the most disappointing thing to discover that normal is incredibly shallow and so that's where I was and and that's that's what happens growing up I did not have these crazy travel aspirations it was quite the opposite yeah I can only imagine I mean you've been through so much and I I I kind of want listeners to get the sense I think we should explain like what the middle finger project is and what you're doing now because it's it's such a transformation so you were like you said going for the middle class project um, but what is what is the middle finger project? So it, it started off as a blog. It is also now the name of my forthcoming book in February, which is awesome. But the middle finger project for the last decade now has existed to simply talk to those to women who were in the same place that I once was, who have been through the hard, who have felt like they really want to do something more meaningful with their life, but they don't know what who have been, you know, broke and broke in and on rock bottom and not really sure who to turn to or where to go next, uh, who, who want to take their future into their own hands. So at the Middle Finger Project itself, the actual website, the focus for me over the past decade has been helping women understand how to take a talent that they have and turn it into money because I really think that if you can learn how to make your own money, you can do anything. And that includes travel <laughs> forever. <laughs> yeah. So that's Indeed. what it's been. And I had to go on that discovery myself when I was still a young babe trying to figure all of these questions out and how to make it myself as a writer, which is the path that I had chosen. And uh, eventually I had some, some good success and I started writing about it and that's how it evolved. Thank you for explaining that. So now you're living, where, where do you call home now? Well, uh, home is a couple of different places. I'm sure you can relate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my fiance is Costa Rican and he's in Costa Rica. We've been there for the last almost eight years now, kind of just off and on. I just bought an apartment in Philadelphia, which is... Uh, what I consider now my American home base. And then every year we spend time in Europe. We don't have a house there, but I am really obsessed with everything European. We spend a lot of time in England, actually, and Scotland uh, in particular. So we, we play around quite a bit. Oh, wow. Okay. So you, uh, you know, you went to college in the U.S. Uh, where did you go to college? Wilkes University. <laughs> that was how the the, uh, the advertisements used to go for it. It's in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, a very small liberal arts college. 
Okay, so you stayed in state to go to college, and then I know you also went to graduate school. Was that also in Pennsylvania? It was. I started actually. I went. I went to grad school when I was still working in corporate America, feeling that feeling of dissatisfaction every day. And so I did the very first thing that most people think to do when they're feeling dead inside, which is enroll themselves in grad school. <laughs> <laughs> So I did do that, but as a function of both of those experiences, I studied abroad for the very first time as an undergrad, and then as a graduate student, I also did a really cool volunteer experience with the United Nations in Chile. Oh, wow. So what was it like when you first went over? Where did you go as an undergrad for a study abroad? So undergrad was Costa Rica, and that's how I met Carlos. Oh, really? The tall Costa Rican in the book. Yes, yes, the tall Costa Rican. We didn't get together until many, many years later when I was just, you know, sporadically passing through. But I was 19 years old when I first went there. And I actually, you know, I, 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 I didn't have the money to travel. But because I had gotten a scholarship to school from the chairman and founder of Monster.com, you know that site? Yeah. Wow. Right. Right. So he had grown up in a rural community in Pennsylvania, decided he wanted to give back. So he picked the poorest county in PA and went to the schools and started interviewing kids on a combination of entrepreneurial spirits and economic need. So I ended up with this phenomenal four year full ride to Wilkes, which, you know, I never would have been there in the first place because it was a private institution. And when I discovered that you could study something like Spanish for real and make that your major. I wanted to pursue it and I knew I had to study abroad. So I wrote a proposal to Andy McKelvey was his name, uh, asking if he would apply the funds for that semester to this school abroad. And that was probably one of the first times I really sold myself and sold an idea I had and it was successful. So that's how I ended up there. Wow. What gave you the confidence to propose that to him? You know, I think that most of us underestimate the power of simply asking for what you want. I had grown quite accustomed growing up to having to ask for the things that I wanted because none of it was getting handed to me. I think I was very good at that. And I also think that being kind of like that straight A student, I was also very used to making presentations and, you know, uh, doing things that lent themselves to adult approval, which was bad in some ways, uh, you know, when I became an adult, but also really good when I was still young, because someone like Andy McKelvey saw that I was eager. Yeah. And as it, you know, he agreed. And there you were in Costa Rica. I mean, I made the case for the fact that it was significantly less expensive for him to pay for my semester abroad than it was for my semester at Wilkes. So financially, it made sense. And I think thinking of it logically like that, you know, how can you really say no? <laughs> That's amazing. I, I, I have to say, I've never had a story on the podcast about in that way to go to, on a study abroad. A lot of people have gone on those experiences that I've interviewed, but never they never had to propose it. And it's just amazing. And how you met the person that you're, you're with now, that first trip as an undergrad. I know. And you know what? It was great because coming from that small town, you know, there are people when you grow up in a small town who won't be happy about your decisions to pursue something else and to do something that feels to them very threatening. 
But there are other people I discovered who will be just absolutely thrilled for you. And I'll never forget walking into the grocery store in my hometown. It was a place called Rob's. The owner was Rob. (laughs) (laughs) As a high schooler, I had bagged groceries there for a couple of years. And so now that I was in college, I had come back for something and I walked into Rob's. I saw Rob. I was just so excited to tell him that I was trying to, you know, plan this semester in Costa Rica. It was going to be so cool. And he said, come see me when you're done shopping. Come over to the office. And I did. And he handed me an envelope and said, I'm really proud of you. You know, you, you go. You go. Do, do big things, Ash. And I walked out to the car and I opened it. And there was $500 inside. And that to me at the time, $500 was like winning the lottery. And that, oh, you know, wow. that was nice. You know, I think sometimes there are people who will support you if you find the right ones. Yeah. I've learned that if you also share, like you were so open and, and willing to be excited about what was about to happen. Like if people get excited with you and if you just are open and tell people what's happening, you never know what that could bring. That's true. So many times we're scared of the criticism of the dream zappers. But I think that genuine enthusiasm for what it is you want to do is the best sales pitch there is. And people will start offering you their help without even being asked. Yeah, that's so great. So you had a more fruitful trip in Costa Rica than you knew at that time, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. I, and, and that was the moment when, like, my eyes were opened. And, and at the time, Costa Rica wasn't so mainstream as it is now either. So I felt like I was going somewhere really exotic. I wasn't picking Mexico and I wasn't picking Spain. I was going somewhere in Central America in the jungle, which to me was just like nuts. And so my <laughs> mom was nuts, too. <laughs> um, <clears throat> she was still alive then. And we uh, we talked often. And I was like, Mom, they don't even have a military. It's going to be fine. <laughs> oh yeah that's right they're it's very literate there too very high rate of literacy yeah Costa Rica is wonderful it's a great place but, you know they have so much tourism now that a lot of people turn that into their career so as a function of that uh, literacy is really important yeah that's great and then so you said the UN you were with the UN in Chile on a project for graduate on- school Yes, it was 10 weeks, and it was, I I studied linguistics as a a grad student, so the 10-week project was actually to support their efforts to really uh, double down on English language teaching in Chile, so my role was actually to train the teachers themselves on their pronunciation. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was cool, it was awesome, Uh, except little kids scared me and I cried so many days. (laughs) Right. Sometimes I would be in the classroom with teachers kind of working with them in that way with the kids as well. And it was just, it was so hard. (laughs) Mad respect to everyone out there teaching English as a second language. I was going to ask you, did you start to feel tempted to do that as like the thing to do after college or after, well, I guess I know you're in corporate America while you were studying on that program, but I, I ended up deciding it was what I should do for a while because I had English literature degree after college. So I was like, oh, and I ended up going to Japan and teaching English. So I know what you're talking about. It, it is terrifying. Yep. <laughs> it's it's very hard. Being a teacher is incredibly, incredibly admirable. I, I really don't know why teachers aren't paid the most amount of money out of everyone in the whole planet because what they do is, is so important and it's also very difficult. But um, 
You know, I did. I, I, I kind of had that there. My master's degree in linguistics with a specialty in in teaching English as a second language because I wanted that as an insurance policy in case, you know, I, I really needed to travel the world, which I, I kind of thought in the back of my mind, what am I doing here in corporate America? I'm wasting my life sitting here in this office. So I wanted that as a kind of fallback plan in case I, I needed to, because I thought, well, I can go anywhere now and teach at the college level, which is just great when you're thinking about uh, how you can make as much money as possible to pay off all of the credit card debt you've accumulated over the years. Yeah. So it's interesting because you were, you found like your corporate job and then you, as you're saying, you still didn't know exactly what you wanted to do. And you had this insurance policy. Like what were the next steps? I actually, I remember from your book, you actually list 52 easy steps to finding your passion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's just, I mean, it's such a joke. Uh, yeah, I think I th- I always say like you're not going to find your passion in your living room. <laughs> and <laughs> a lot of people are so uh, upset with themselves because they're just like I don't have any passions. I don't know what I'm passionate about. I I don't know what to do next. But you're not going to figure it out inside your own head. You have to get out there. So I wanted to be a writer. That was my real goal. That's why I was studying linguistics to begin with. But I, I wasn't sure, right? We all hear about the starving artist thing, being a freelancer. That's like bananas. Is that even respectable? I didn't know. Uh, but I knew it was something I wanted to try. So for me, teaching English as a second language was kind of that backup plan that was like, well, this doesn't work out. I always got this other thing I can fall back onto. But the, with finding your passions, for me, was a gigantic, messy, disgusting fun and at times very confusing process of trial and error. And I really did go on a mission to try as many different new activities as I possibly could because I can't imagine that you would ever know what you like to do unless you've tried it. And yes, so the 52 steps is funny because it just goes back and forth between all of the stuff that most of us go through. You know, we we sit there and we write all of these you know, bogus cover letters to all of these random corporations, like to whom am I concerned, trying to try out different jobs. And then you try to write, you know, you pitch like the New York Times an article. And then you're like, well, maybe I should be a camera operator for the Travel Channel. That would be great. But how do you even get started? (laughs) Yes. Next thing you know, you're taking a travel writing class and then you're going salsa dancing and then you're just doing all these random things. And some of them I really enjoyed and others I was like, oh God, no, never again. And that was such a useful experience for me to be able to know what I didn't like so I could start to narrow in on what I really did. I have never a day in my life like used my my linguistics graduate degree in any kind of formal setting. It's, I mean, it's been useful because, you know, learning is always useful in your brain, but I've never used it in any traditional sense. <laughs> <laughs> So if you can if you can hold off on the grad school, hold off on the grad school, try your hand at freelance first and then, you know, then go back if you must. <laughs> Wise words. As somebody who paid for her graduate degree as well, um, I get you. <laughs> Listen to I know, her I was, listeners. I was, I was sitting there in class, I remember writing in my notebook. I was supposed to be taking notes, but I was writing. Uh, my ideas down. And that's when I started blogging because I realized that blogging was probably a better place to keep some of those ideas than these random graduate notebooks. And, (laughs) you know, my instructor was just evil. He was so disillusioned with life himself, but he was grumpy about it. He was really mean. 
And I couldn't help but just notice all the adults around me didn't really seem to have it figured out. And yet here I am taking their advice. And that didn't make sense. Yeah, it's it's um like I love the this quote from the book where you say uh, the world is full of people who've never done a dangerous thing in their lives. And I'm going to keep quoting you. It's full of people who gravely underestimate their own capabilities and who are so frightened that they'll be inadequate. They never do anything at all. And that that really hit home for me because I, I feel like I definitely have seen a lot of people living that kind of life. But I want so Ooh, much more for yeah. that. Yeah, it actually just gutted me hearing you read what I wrote about it. That's weird. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I talk to women every single day who are scared for one reason or another. And I don't think that until you've done it, you realize just how possible it all is. And if you want to talk about travel on that level, I don't think people realize how how you can travel for – way less money than you're actually spending in your day-to-day life right now. And everyone to them, it seems like this giant luxury, but it doesn't have to be that way. I think it's very doable for a lot of people. Yeah. I just was talking to a woman a couple days ago who said she had been on a, a luxury cruise with a bunch of senior citizens that actually cruise throughout the entire year because it's cheaper than being in a nursing home, but you get, Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. The same level of care you're fed. Think about it. You're fed three meals a day. There's so many staff members on the cruise ship just there to help you with everything. So I, (laughs) it was like a light bulb went off in my head. Like that's when I will cruise the South Pacific is as an 80 year old. Yes. When I'm 80. Perfect. That's hysterical. I love her. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's 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 wonderful, the opportunities once you get out there. Um, there was another thing you said in the book that I just was like, all the travel things, I was just really so connected with. You say, like, um, I often wonder if all the wonderful people who have only had the opportunity to get to know one little corner of the earth will ever know just how brilliant they really are. Will they have had the opportunity to find out? How will they ever know that there's another version of themselves out there even more layered than the last? That was so beautifully written, Ash. Thanks. Don't you think it's true, though? When you go to different countries and different cultures and you're immersed there, you get to not only try on a new life, but you end up inadvertently trying on a new version of yourself, whatever the context demands. I mean, I'm sure traveling in Japan, for example, uh, that demands a different side of you than traveling in Rio, would. And I'm sure these different angles of your personality come out in different places. They have for me, absolutely. And I would have never known that about myself had I not inserted myself into these different situations. Yeah, you say like in London, you're practical and curious and fancy and sophisticated, but in Scotland, you're goofy and athletic. And I just, I actually had never <laughs> thought of travel. Whiskey, yeah. <laughs> I'd never thought of travel that way, like the different places, how they do bring out these different sides, but it's, it's totally right. It's like now I'm going to have to think of all the places I've been and what Becky w- I was there, you know? Right, and who you were then. And I just think that when you are, in a small town like mine, I mean, I literally know a guy who's never left the county. Literally. Wow. Literally. He's an oh. older guy, but he refuses to uh, on principle. And so it's kind of like, well, what is that principle? Like, what is, <laughs> what is the value there? Because I feel, I feel like if you come and go from the same grocery store every day of your entire life, 
how much will you have learned about who you are? I don't think a whole lot because you're never challenged with anything new. And that's the most just totally devastating part of that. Yeah. You're just so it's it like there I, you've written a lot in the book about un- uncertainty and handling that and that that is what most people are trying to avoid as much as possible. How did you deal with all the uncertainty in your life that I know had to be there from all these experiences you went through? Do you have things that you tend to fall back on and go back to to when you have to make a decision and you're just feeling so much uncertainty? Oh my gosh, this is exactly why I started the Middle Finger Project. That all goes back to learning how to sell my talents for me. Like that is my now insurance policy that allows me to do any kind of uncertain thing I want. Because even if I, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to work out, if it's going to be a lot of money or whatever it is, I know that I can figure it out as I go and earn that money that I need to make in order to make it okay in the end. So that's, that's really been the reason why I've been able to take the risks. And I have to say on that same topic, My girlfriend Chelsea and I were talking just the other day. So she is originally from Boston, started off a corporate career as an engineer, then decided when she was actually in her mid-30s that she didn't want to do that anymore, quit her job, went to pastry school. That's what she wanted to do. And eventually that brought her to the jungles of Costa Rica uh, to visit a vanilla farm. And when she got there, she just felt so much more alive. So she now runs one of the biggest and best wedding cake businesses in all the land still to this day in Costa Rica because she decided to move there. Her and I were talking just a couple weeks ago because someone had said to her, like, you know, well, how do you deal with the uncertainty? How do you deal if a client asks you to make this extravagant, crazy kind of cake that you've never made before, how do you feel comfortable saying yes to the gig if you don't know how? And she was kind of just like, well, I mean, I might not know how right this second, but I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. We had this, yes, we had this conversation and I go, oh my gosh, that's so true. I think that mentality is really what being an independent, radically self-reliant woman is all about trusting yourself to figure it out as you go versus kind of the other camp who really feels very strongly about having to know right now how it's going to shake down and how it's going to work out. And I I think that having Chelsea's mindset is so important for any kind of really whole living that you want to do because so much of it is going to involve risk and you have to be able to trust yourself to figure it out as you go. And I feel like we're in more uncertain times than ever Oh, God, right? Ooh, yeah, that, that, a lot of that's under, out of our control, too. Isn't that horrible? Yeah, it is horrible, but I, I feel like this, like what you've just said is, you know, it's it's the key to trying to get back that sense of control and actually the sense of, of certainty. So. Yeah, you know, it's funny because my fiancé, lovely, the lovely Carlos, he is absolutely the opposite of me, so I get to watch this mindset play out in him. I'm the person who's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'll figure it out. Like, let's just do it. And he's the guy who's like, wait a minute, Ash, rein it in. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's so cool. I, I I remember him in 2016. <laughs> he was, you were you were a good balance for each other. Yes, 
I mean, it still works to this day because he's he's very much like, all right, let's consider the practical implications of all the things. And I'm like, ah, just do it. I mean, I tattooed my eyelids the other day and I was just like, ah, I'm just going to tattoo this eyeliner on because that sounds fun. I've never had a tattoo in my life, but somehow that I'm like, ah, I should just do it. And he's, he would think about that for three years. <laughs> what did he think of uh, you tattooing your eyelids? <laughs> You know, he, he actually was surprisingly supportive about it because he loves me with eye makeup on, but he doesn't want to wait for me all the time while I put it on. <laughs> so he was like, oh, good. That means you're going to wake up like that, like all the time. I'm like, yes. Say, and he's like, say no more. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, well, I think that, you know, this kind of freelancer or like independent you were saying like being able to be independent is really like it's it's even easier these days because I know that Chelsea may not be using this but most people don't even realize you can hire people on the internet now to do all of those things for very little money yeah the internet's awesome I mean so many people are just sitting online chatting with their friends and using it to communicate but there's this whole other side of it that once you learn how to do it you can use it to create and create your own job and create your own money and your own life and whatever you want to do. Yeah, and there's no, there's no excuse now for not knowing what to do next or, or for not knowing like where you can find the information to find out more about what you're interested in. Because like you oh, said, the so internet, true. yeah, it's all there. Right, so even if, I mean, you're not using it to create, if you don't know what you want to create, you can still do the research to find out. There's really nothing you can't know anymore no matter where you are, which I think is so helpful for the kind of folks who are in more rural areas who don't have the support that they they would like and who struggle oftentimes because even if they're planning on staying there, you know, there's a lot of talk about lack of job opportunities and, and what to do and that kind of struggle. And I'm kind of like, hey, if I can do it, you can do it too. Like you don't need a big corporation to hire you anymore. You have to have the guts to hire yourself. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know you, you talk too about ambition. You said like um, ambition was not something that most people saw around you when you were growing up. So it became something that most people didn't have. And I think that, you know, it's it's so important to get out and, and even just to leave your your town and go into the next town and see something different. And hopefully it will motivate and inspire people to look even further away and see what they can be inspired by. Yeah, like it sounds, you know, I happened think to I, you. I think I had an unusual experience because since my parents were actually originally from Philadelphia, they had a different perspective on life. And once in a while we would go down and visit. So I saw some things that I don't think a lot of my, my peers saw and whether or not that was superficial at the time, like I'm saying like, you know, wow, a garage and a staircase and whatever. It still showed me that there was so much more out there that was possible. And I don't think a lot of people get to see that. So in and of itself, travel is valuable just to show you what, what the world looks like and what you can do within it. There are so many people doing so many interesting things and you don't really know that's possible for your own self until you see somebody else doing it. Yeah. I think it's, it's, and going back to the internet again, there's no reason why now you can't surround yourself with podcasts about, you know, with amazing interviews with people like you, people that have done wonderful things. You, you can just surround yourself all day long with these people from your living room and you can start getting a new mindset. Absolutely. I, I think 
you know, one of the things that I really thought about when I was in corporate America and I was really dissatisfied with my position in life and kind of what it had all accumulated to, um, one of the things that travel helped me think through was realizing that, you know, human beings have come up with hundreds of different ways to communicate with each other. All of these different languages that we have, it's wild. And they all end up communicating very similar ideas, just in very different ways. And so I thought to myself, well, if human beings have come up with all of those different ways to talk to one another, maybe they've also developed, you know, hundreds of different ways to be happy. And that really has been for me kind of the lifelong pursuit and reason why I continue to travel because I'm really curious and interested in everyone else's perspectives because I think we're all right. And I think all of us have developed these different ways to experience joy in life and to also experience sadness and also have fun or relate to one another. And it's fascinating for me to look around and say, wow, you know, these are things I can adopt into my own life. Whether I'm here in this country or not, I can take these ideas back. And that is just so, so cool. Yeah. I love too when you say like that you are allowed to want better for yourself and to do something that you want to do to take up space and to impose. I love that. That is so liberating and, you know, empowering to just to do anything you want to do in life. And especially for women, I know we've been talking about women specifically in some cases, we don't feel sometimes like we, we can do some of these things we want because we've got to, you talk about perfectionism in the book and we've got to be, you know, we've got to fit a certain model that we have in our heads. And, I think that when you go out and travel, you see so many other ways that people are doing things and it, it just, it starts to make a lot more sense and give you a lot more agency to get out yeah. there. And you also meet other people who are doing things that are similar to you. And I found, I mean, I've met my best friends abroad because you're, by nature, when you meet people who are travelers, you're already sharing a certain mindset that is important for the foundation of friendship. I think it's, it's, it's great, but you know, gosh, it's like when you, when you're sitting there in your living room and you're really not sure if you should go, you start asking your friend, your friends and your relatives. And of course, you know, they're, they're not, they're not sharing that same mindset with you. So they're not really going to look at it the same and you might get a little bit of discouragement that's then going to discourage you. But I have to say, man, like you don't, have anybody in this world who's assigned to keep your life on track and help you do the things that you should be doing and want to be doing and living up to your potential. There's nobody behind the curtain who's got this little, you know, checkbox and saying, okay, yep, they're happy today. Yep. Okay, great. Um, or, or, you know, Ooh, they're not happy today. We need to make some changes. Let's get them to get on a plane and go somewhere. Like nobody's doing that for you. You have to do it for yourself. Uh, how did you finally, I know that you, you've told us that you have many homes. How did you finally get down to Costa Rica where I know you spent quite a bit of time before getting your place in Philadelphia as well? How did you make that transition from the U S which was the only place you'd known as a home to moving to Costa Rica? No, I think at that time, actually, I was living in Chile still. Oh, I'd gone okay. Back, yeah, I'd gone back to Chile, and I spent several years in South America. 
So I was traveling in between Philadelphia and South America and decided to do kind of like a layover deal in Costa Rica since I had already been there. And I wanted to just say hi, just stop in town and be like, hey. And uh, yeah, actually what ended up happening was I, I reconnected with Carlos during that trip. I still went back to Chile, which is where I was in, in route to. Spent three months in Chile after that. And him and I started talking on FaceTime every day. And it was great. And that's when I fell in love with him. So finally I flew back to Costa Rica to kind of see if that would work out. But honestly, the transition period from any of that is, is way easier than most people think. And I know that those countries, well, I mean, I would call Costa Rica a starter country at this point. Chile, maybe not so much. But in general, you'd be surprised at how how the similar everything actually is because we're all human. And we all are, are experiencing life in many of the same ways, actually. Yeah, and I know it's even, it's so much easier now than when you did it even like, you know, more than five years ago. In the last five years, things have just dramatically changed. And every I feel like most countries are getting a lot more similar because they all have good internet. So Oh, true. That's a good point. Yeah. This I mean, when Carlos and I started talking, he bought an iPhone, like his very first iPhone, so we could keep in touch. And that was in the year 2011-12. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how much smaller the world has gotten in such a short amount of time. (laughs) But you're right. The internet is the reason. Yes, it's like flattened the earth in a way. I did have a guy tell me the other day, flat out, I was in a bar in my hometown over the Thanksgiving break because I, I go back sometimes to research. <laughs> Sounds weird, but I do. And I was in this truck stop kind of a bar and someone, I was explaining to an old friend of mine about this book and what I was up to. And this grumpy guy sitting in the corner was listening. And at some point he kind of piped up and said, well, I'm not going to read your book. And here's why. <laughs> and he, yeah, yeah, yes. And I said, tell, tell me, tell me, Joe, what is going on here? And he was like, well, it's not facts, is it? And I was like, you know, well, it's, it's based on my experience. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, if it's just your opinion, opinions change. So why am I going to waste my time reading something that's going to change? And, you know, I said, so you don't think there's any value in the human experience and our shared experience and, uh, and trying to find meaning and all of that? And he was like, nope, facts only. And I'm like, but you don't believe in climate change? <laughs> so we had this conversation that was just like mind blowing. But yeah, yeah, I get it. Some of my favorite conversations are, are with Joes, the Joes of the world. I think it also does show you, though, that how valuable it is to get out into the world and see a whole range of human experience. (laughs) Very nicely put, Beck. (laughs) Very nicely said. Yes, indeed. I mean, think about it. If you've never left that bubble of people kind of saying the same thing, you're not going to see value in, in, in something like reading. Right? Like, that's terrifying. Yes, yes. Well, I want to ask you now a few fun travel questions that I often ask my guests on this podcast. So, yeah. So, okay. What is the best trip you would say you've ever had in the USA, in your own country? Oh, we did a cross country road trip that was like a giant W once in maybe like 2009. And we started, we started in New York City and went north. And then went all the way down south to Florida and then did W up towards like Missouri. And then we went 
down all the way to LA and then up. And it was great. I was with two other bloggers. We were in my two-door Scion TC. None of us cared about anything. And what we did with that trip was we had readers of our blogs volunteer to host us across the nation. So we did it for relatively uh, very little money. And we got sponsored by a couple of different companies, which was really great. And we made these videos. And that was by far my best trip across the United States. That is so cool. And what a cool way to keep it cheap. Like you said, it's, things are a lot easier and sometimes cheaper than you would ever expect once you get out on the road. Yes. Awesome. Although I will say when I went to sell my car afterward, they wouldn't take it. They wanted me to give them $2,000 like to the dealership to take my car because it had so many miles on it by then that it was now upside down on the loan. <laughs> Did you pay him? Well, I guess it cost me something in the end. Right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> but what a cool trip. Oh, was it was a W was what did you do a W shape for a particular reason or it just ended up that way? Oh, we just wanted to see as much of it as we could within the time frame that we had. And it was cool. And we also kind of shaped it to be where the blog or where the readers were that had volunteered their homes. And that was the coolest part, too, getting to stay with so many different people and 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 kind of like get to know their life for a day. It was so awesome. I would do that again in a heartbeat. Here's another travel question. Have you ever traveled alone? Oh, all the time. What is one uh, of your most memorable experiences traveling alone? You know what? This is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, one time I was in Argentina and I was by myself staying at a hostel and I ran into this group of Brazilians and... Yeah, I didn't know anybody, right? I was just kind of like there. And I remember they had invited me to go up to this ski mountain with them to check it out and just kind of have a fun road trip. So <laughs> on, on the way up to the mountain, we're in this rented car that they had rented, but we're like piled in there. And they said, you know what? We're going to stop and get some drinks. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, meaning just, like, waters and stuff. And we pulled over. One of the girls ran into a convenience store to grab us, you know, this, I don't know, like, Diet Cokes or something. And actually, I think it was full sugar Coke at the time. <laughs> and they get back in the car, and she hands me mine. And we're driving along. And I am just chugging this thing because I was so thirsty. <laughs> And finally, she looks back at me and she's like, well, are you going to just drink the whole thing yourself? And I looked around and I realized I'm such an American. I thought we all had our own individual bottles where in their culture, they just share. So I was there chugging everyone's <laughs> share of this Coke. And I, I will never forget that because it was one of my first real, just a very small, but uh, descriptive instance of seeing cross-cultural difference at its finest and how we are all so different. But I loved that moment. It was like, oh, damn. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Getting a real education right there. <laughs> that was very memorable for me because it was one of my first early travel experiences. And I just remember like, gosh, I, I have so much to learn about the world. 
Yeah. And it's so great traveling alone. I have to say, I, I think you always get the most intimate experiences when you do. Oh yeah. Traveling alone is the best. I mean, it's really great. I don't know. I don't know why anyone wouldn't. I mean, hostels are awesome because you meet so many people that way. You don't have anything to worry about. I would never go and stay in a hotel traveling alone unless I really needed to get some work done or something. But otherwise, man, just go meet people. Have fun with it. I, I remember your Scotland post. Sounds like you've met a lot of interesting characters in Scotland. But I, I think you were you with Carlos when you were traveling there? Yes. He, we've been there three times now. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about Scotland that you love? I haven't been there yet. We're lunatics. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think, <laughs> I think there's just such a, there's a really nice mix of beautiful, gorgeous, scenic landscape, but also some sense of civility and, and modern culture. But the people, it's all about the people. The Scottish people are some of my favorites in the world. They're all down to earth. They're all fun. They laugh. I mean, the Irish are that way too, but I think the, I think if I were to go to Ireland, I would probably drink myself into an oblivion. But the Scottish seem to have a really nice balance. I just, I feel great when I'm there. I would love to go. I'm going to try to put it on my list for this summer if I can. I'll let you know. I'll take a photo from Scotland, <laughs> yeah. send it to you. <laughs> yeah, on one Instagram. day I'm, I'm definitely going to buy something in Scotland. We, uh, we laughed because Carlos bought me one year for Christmas. He bought me a plot of land in Scotland, but you know, like those fun souvenir plots that you can buy. Have you ever seen those? No, I've just seen like this where you can buy stars in the galaxy. <laughs> oh, well, I've never seen that. That's fancy. <laughs> uh, no, they, this is kind of a genius thing as someone who really appreciates sales and marketing. What they've done is they've taken a giant nature reserve and they've sectioned it off. And now you can buy a like a one foot by one foot plot of land starting at that, you know, small to help, you know, preserve the reserve. And, uh, and we did it. So, you know, they're, they're a legit company and they're really insistent upon the fact that once you buy land in Scotland, you're now a lord or a lady. So we laugh all the time that I am now Lady Ash Amberger and I'm a landowner in Scotland. I own, I own land in Scotland. So yes, for anybody, it's called Highland Titles and I just giggle all the time because I'm like, this is such a brilliant marketing idea. What are the three things that you can't travel without? Uh, black clothes. Black clothes is my number one thing. I don't wear colors ever when I'm traveling because it's just so interchangeable when you're wearing black. And because it's black, nobody really notices if you're wearing it like seven days in a row. Uh, <laughs> Love that. I think actually I have to say at least 25% of my wardrobe is black now that I'm thinking of it. Yeah, I'm really I, I'm like so pro black. It's sleek. It can go anywhere. I mean, especially if you're going from like hiking somewhere to then having to go to to dinner. I love it. It's it feels a little bit more elegant. Uh, number two is a pen, which sounds ridiculous, but number one, I really get pissed off when I'm on the plane and they hand out the customs forms and I don't have a pen. Oh yeah. Oh, like why don't they give you those? <laughs> <laughs> It really drives me bananas. So now I'm like, okay, that's my number one travel tip. Bring a pen, everybody. <laughs> uh, but also because I like to have a journal with me and I jot things down that I see of interest. Sometimes I just do it on my phone these days, but 
uh, you don't always want to be traveling around with your phone in your hand, depending on where you're at. So I bring a little notebook. Yeah, I love that too. Speaking of the plane, when you have like, they're like, put all your electronic devices away. And I always pull out a journal or that's when I start reading the paperback. It's I love that that time on the plane. (laughs) Yes, me too. I really do. Uh, number three, I think now is probably my away battery charger. I love the away suitcases because they have that giant battery charger in them. And I have found that to be just so valuable. Oh, (laughs) wow. I need to get one of those. I am. Well, luckily my phone is relatively new, but I hate when they start to lose their battery. It's, oh, it's our life. It's our life force now. Well, in this day and age, it's it's true. And since I do so much blogging, I'm always taking videos or photos or whatever. And uh, the battery can go quick. But it's also just this this thing where you don't want to be wandering around in the middle of a city you don't know. And then your phone dies and you don't have access to a map anymore. For me, that's really just what it is. It's like, all right, if we need to call an Uber or whatever. Uh, it allows you just to kind of go without having to worry too much about it what advice do you have for people that have been feeling like they want to get out there they want to travel more but they they're still feeling overwhelmed and scared to do it I just I really think you just need to stop thinking about it so much we overthink everything just don't think about it just literally take the steps that you know needs to happen to book your your ticket literally get online and book your ticket and then there's no going back from there. It's like, okay, you've already now decided. So then all the rest of the stuff you can figure out along the way, the logistics and where you're going to stay and what, but just book the damn ticket and then you can't get out of it because you're not going to want to lose that money. For me, I love investing money in anything if I'm scared because it helps propel me forward. I just paid way too much money for private bar classes because I needed the motivation to show up every day and go. Uh, but money does it for me. If I spend the money, I will go. So buy the damn plane ticket and figure out the rest along the way. Also, I, I find speaking of money that once you've spent it, like with even a week later, you don't even remember, you know, you, you forget about the money and you're just so glad you had that experience. You will never regret going ever. N- I promise N- nothing could happen that would make you regret your trip. You will always be glad you did. Totally agree. Where would you like to go next? Do you have any travel dream destinations that are still on your list? What yeah. is next? You know what? We've been thinking about going to Greece because I've not gone to Greece yet. And I feel like that's kind of like a basic one you got to check off. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I I would like to spend some more time in the Mediterranean and enjoy a little bit of that. I spent a lot of time, spent a lot of time in cold climates, as you can tell. I'm like, Scotland, awesome. The colder, the better. Uh, (laughs) You know, going down to like... The Patagonia and Chile and Argentina, the colder the better. Here I am in Philly. I'm freezing my buns off. But I would like to spend some more time in some Mediterranean places because I really think that there's something to be said about putting on a suit and going into the ocean. And I know I can do that in Costa Rica anytime I want, but it's a whole different experience. I would like to go there and explore that entire region overall. Oh, I'm sure you'll love it. I, I am so in awe of your creativity, like your endless creativity. It's just all throughout the book, these different ways that you like had an edge over a competitor or even a coworker. I love the roof shingles story. Um, Thanks. I don't, can you tell that one really quickly? Because people are like, roof shingles, what's she on about? <laughs> I know, you know, it was like working in corporate America and everything was so by the book and they wanted us to call. I was an accountant executive in charge of advertising sales and they wanted us to cold call 
these people around the region and just pick from a list of numbers and cold call them and be that guy who's like, you know, hi, oh, Fred, hello, this is Ashley calling from blah, 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 like trying to set up meetings and just wanting to literally kill yourself every minute of every day. And so I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. Um, I would prefer if they were calling me instead. <laughs> right. And so right. Instead, instead of of mailing out, I mean, like the process was cold call the people. If they did not take the appointment with you, which most of the time they weren't, then you were to go and send them this very generic white folder like that no one's going to read. It was just so awful. So instead, I went to Home Depot and I got all of these roof shingles that come in kind of like a giant roll and I hauled them into the office and everyone in the office was pissed. They were like, what are you doing? I'm like, just wait. And I cut up all these roof shingles and I ended up painting on the back of each one. Uh, you plus me equals sales through the roof. Oh, I, I love it. It was great. I mean, I sent it out. Just, I mean, I, you know, I was just having fun with it. I was trying to have some fun with it. And also send something that would be a little bit more memorable besides this horrible white binder folder thing. And everyone in the office was so very critical. But one person in particular was in, just like busting my chops left and right. What are you doing? Is this art class? And then the phone started to ring the next day. And all of a sudden, all of the clients that we meet, you know, both of us, because we were in the same region, had been trying very hard to get, were calling me. And saying, all right, you know, you got me. How's this Friday at 2? And that's how I, I really started learning how to sell myself. It was great. Amazing. All just by look at taking a different approach and, yeah, like having fun with it, like you said. Yeah, just wait until we see some of the things I'm going to mail out with my book. <laughs> I already tried to go, I'm, I'm going to give something, a little bit of something away. You do have something at the end of your book and you're like, go to a website. That's all I'm going to say. I tried to go and um, <laughs> I think I'm going to wait till February 11th when your book comes oh, out. Oh yeah, it's not ready yet. <laughs> gonna go, I'm going to go again. I also wanted to get that date in there. February 11th. It's uh, just over two weeks before my birthday. I'm so excited. February. Woo! Good yeah, choice. <laughs> You know what? I'm really it's right before Valentine's Day too, so I know a lot of girls are doing Valentine's Day stuff. And since the book is hot pink, it's just it's like the coolest little present. Yeah, and for lady listeners out there, this book is such a I think it's a, a game changer for women and giving yourself the agency to feel like you are allowed to do something that you want to do and go out and just live your and be exactly who you are. Thank you very much. I, my hope, my hope with that was really just to play big sister to anyone out there who's doubting themselves and doubting if they should take the risk, should go do it. You know, I had an email from someone the other day who was like, Ash, I just need to let you know that um, I have recently quit my $30,000 a year government job and I'm so happy because now, uh, you know, I'm doing this other work for this other entrepreneur and it's been wonderful. I want to let you know, my mom was not supportive. She really was like, you're going to quit your job. What are you doing? And she said, because of your blog, I did. And I'm really happy that I did. So thank you. And I'm like, oh boy, moms around the world are really going to hate me now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but as you say in the book, quitting is upgrading. You'll have to read the book, Quitting listeners, to see what that means. <laughs> yes. Woo! Thank you so much, Becky. You are awesome. I really yes. appreciate you having me on. And gosh, just keep promoting the value that is travel. It's so wonderful, the work you're doing. 
Thank you so much. I have now, I can now check this dream, you off my dream list of uh, interviewing you. Thank you so much. (laughs) If people want to find you, where can they go? TheMiddleFingerProject.org. That's the best bet. There's some really cool resources on there that we're playing around with, especially in light of the book launch. So we've got, you know, if you're already freelancing, we've got 25 days to 100K. That's definitely some really like advanced, awesome sales advice for freelancers. And then we've got other stuff for people who aren't there yet. Something coming out called the Quit Your Job Store, which is going to be hysterical, (laughs) all for free. Um, You know, fun quizzes like should you quit your job, that kind of stuff. So if you're thinking about it, head over there. That's definitely the best place to find us and the book, too. And as you said, the book's hot pink. And I I think it's going to be in airports. It's going to be at Target. You mentioned that in your last email. (laughs) It's going to be everywhere that you can find this book. Yeah, you should be able to find it. uh, You know, it's like in Barnes and Noble and Amazon and Target and even Walmart. (laughs) Uh, Of course, like, you know, places like Books a a Million and um, like the indie bookshops and all that stuff. So we'll see. It is hot pink. Yay. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Ash. I hope you guys were as impressed with Ashley in this interview as I have been since the day I found her blog, themiddlefingerproject.org. Subscribe to her newsletter. It is witty, hilarious, and so true. It always has such great advice. It is one of the few emails I never hesitate to read. And Ashley, thank you once again for sitting down with me as part of this launch of your book and as a reunion for us of sorts. And I wish you all the luck and success with this book. And listeners, you deserve the words that she is giving us. You deserve the best life that you can build for yourself and the confidence to do it. And I think Ashley's confidence just comes through on the page and it reaches out to us. And I hope that it gives you what you need to take that next step in your life. I think it's perfect for this week's travel quote to come from Ashley's book itself. This is from chapter one. She says, you are allowed to want better for yourself, to do something you want to do, to take up space, to impose. Let's start taking those steps. Let's start taking those risks to give our middle finger to the world of those people that tell us we can't or tell us we're not worthy. It's not our time. It's too late. Let's do it, listeners. Thank you for listening as always. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you With your head up standing tall And you'd look back and think it's funny How you spent your time and money